0: And that was the worst base running in the history of the game. Good morning, and welcome to episode 409 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the Play Index at baseballreference.com. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh, and in about 20 minutes, Nick will be talking to Dave Fleming, the uh, wonderful play by play man for the San Francisco Giants. Um, but we have Grant Brisby, who um, writes for a blog called waiting for boof is that right (laughs) So when i get get fired i'll pick it back up yeah i have not read you in many years that's the last (laughs) the last i heard of you
1: uh are gonna be good they're gonna be good you watch
0: so grant is of course the uh the uh, proprietor of mccovey chronicles he's uh uh, what are you like the national baseball writer for sb nation or something like that that'll do all right, and he wrote uh, a wonderful essay in, in the annual this year about uh, unwritten rules. Anyway, he's you know, our favorite writer in the world. There's really nothing to say about him, and we're glad he's here. Um, so, Grant, it feels like it's been upwards of a year since the Giants were world champions. Uh, is it too soon to start making fun of Brian Sabian again?
1: I would give him another two months uh, into this season. To start, really laying it on thick. I would I would wait until Ryan Vogel's song totally disintegrates and, and Mike Morris swallows his glove, and and just wait until kind of his key off-season acquisitions or reacquisitions uh, really fail them because they're they're kind of curious. But you know, I'll, I'll I'll give him a couple months. I'll I'll wait and see if it's just crazy enough to work.
0: Yeah. So after you know years of 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 Sabian being you know sort of mockable or or something. And then, and then winning two World Series in three years. Do you currently have any sort of, um, well, like, when he makes a move that doesn't quite make sense, are you now inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt? Has he earned any of that sort of, like, Cardinals, uh, uh, Cardinals cachet in your mind, or is he still proving himself with every move?
1: I think he, he's earned a lot more of that than I ever would have believed possible in, like, 2007, 2008. Um, certainly I mean it's a lot had to place the draft picks, let's compose, I mean, these kind of things. He's listening to the right people, but I don't know how much how much credit you can necessarily give him for that. But he built he built a pretty good team in two thousand ten on the fly using pieces like Cody Roth and Pat Burrell. I mean he, he did a pretty excellent job there. Where I go back to is, is I used to just just harangue him for for people like Jose Viscaino and Ray Sanchez. And at the time, I was like, are you kidding me? These guys can't hit. There's no way their defense can make up for that. There's no possible way. You're an idiot. You know, what are you doing? And I think there's been a little bit of revisionism with that. You know, good defensive shortstops really, really make a difference. And I think he was a little bit ahead of the curve. And looking at things like that, you know, makes me realize, okay, well, clearly I'm stupid. You know, but maybe he's less so.
2: Uh, so the Giants took care of a lot of their business early, before even free agency began. Just, just you know, before anyone could offer Lincecum like two years and fifty million, they just got right out there and, and offered him a little less than that just to to lock him up. Uh, and they also kept Hunter Pence around. What was your reaction to those deals at the time, and how have they aged, or or how did the how did subsequent signings uh, influence your opinion of? Of how good those contracts were
1: at the time when when Lindsecum signed i thought well that's probably an overpay but i you know i'm still i try and do the, the stump hold analysis or whatever uh, I, I try to do but i, I i'm a fanboy at heart you know I'm, I'm always you know i just don't want to see lincecum pitching for the royals you know even if it's a bad deal for the giants and I'm not too optimistic about it now, but at the time I was like, you know, great, he's going to be around us. That's, that's like one less thing we have to worry about. I, I just didn't want to deal with Lindicum as a Dodger or a Royal or whatever. Um, I think they anticipated the market fairly well as far as, you know, people, the money was going to go up, the, the TV revenue was going to come in. I don't think they anticipated exactly how damaging the qualifying offer would be. And I think if they had the benefit of hindsight. They would have just accepted the qualifying offer and said, "Okay, we'll we'll be waiting for you in February." You know, just we'll we'll be waiting for you when you figure out that the market's not quite there for you. I think he would have had to sign something um, similar to Urban Santana, maybe even a little bit less. I think the Giants overshot quite a bit on that one, Um, but they made the money back with Pence. I think they got a a pretty good Pence, at least compared to Chu and Ellsbury.
0: Uh, he's, uh, you know, the Giants, it seems like ever since, um, it feels to me like since Randy Wynn, Randy Wynn feels like the, the moment when Sabian just decided, okay, if he's ever put on a Giants uniform, we're keeping him for life. Um, so even though they did bring in, you know, a couple of parts this off season and Sabian has gone outside the organization to, to, to supplement from time to time, it, he's, you know, he re-signs everybody from any of the World Series teams, it seems like over and over. Do you get a sense of, of why he's so enamored with his own players?
1: I think maybe there's there's a an archetype that he's looking for, both on the field and uh, in the clubhouse. And I wouldn't know necessarily what that is because that would range, if if that theory is correct, from Aubrey Huff, who is um, you know fairly fond of the nightlife, as I've heard. Um, but then you'd also get you know ostensibly you know, the the good solid clubhouse leaders like Scudero. I mean, it ranges. It's not like there is, oh, he likes these kind of guys, these field generals, and he keeps them around. You know, they're always just kind of from, from all walks. I mean, Litsicum is a, a different kind of cat than Matt Kane. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just a, a comfortability factor. Maybe he just knows what he likes. He figures that they can get the job done and that if they do well, it will reflect even better on him because he kept them around.
2: Jeff Passan wrote an article about a week ago uh, about Lincecum and from skimming the first few paragraphs, I think it's mostly about his, his mustache and his attempt to grow one, but it's also partially about his pitching and adjustments that he is making to reinvent himself at lower velocity. And it seems like something we've been hearing for the last couple of years. Um, are you optimistic that there's going to be some sort of second, second wind to his career or some sort of second post peak plateau
1: at least first you have to know that i'm much much more qualified to talk about his mustache (laughs) yeah feel free i am not quite sold on a stage of his career like he's gonna figure it out and it's all gonna click into place um when he's 30 i i think that'd be pretty naive to think that but i i don't think it's crazy to think that the strikeouts and walks uh hint at a level of run prevention, like the, the fielding independent metrics have have been forecasting for the last two years. So I don't think he's necessarily going to click and say, oh, no, you know, by the way, I'm a, I'm a command pitcher now, command pitcher, you know, and, and everything's just as good as it was before. But I think it could be, well, he's not as good. He's not Cy Young again, but he's definitely not as bad as he was in 2012 and
0: 2013. So if he's as bad, because... I mean, it's a it's a little tricky. He's he's been so bad over the last two years that by ERA plus, he's essentially been like maybe the worst starting pitcher in baseball who's qualified. And if that were you know somebody else, they would you know not only be in danger of losing their job, but they would have lost their job right now. Is there is there any scenario you can imagine where Tim Lincecum's name value doesn't keep getting him chances over the next two years. I mean, is the bullpen idea still an option at all? Or is this guy absolutely making 60 starts in the next two seasons?
1: No, I would, I would say the bullpen idea. I mean, it, there's a point where it can get too bad. And over the last two seasons, it's close to that. I mean, certainly he, he wasn't starting in the, in the 2012 postseason. And I think his success there... Gives the Giants that feeling of okay, well, if this doesn't work out, at least he'll be the world's most expensive seventh or eighth inning guy. Um, so I think that's still on the table. I don't think that they are going to give him the full Zito and just ride it out the whole time going forward. Uh, I don't, I don't think the name value is going to carry him
0: that far. Not at all. So last year the problem was uh, well, I guess the the self-diagnosed problem that Sabian has been talking a lot about was lack of depth. I mean, It seems like every time he talks about last season, he talks about how they overestimated the amount of depth they have, and when a few things went wrong, they weren't able to get help from the farm, they didn't really have any uh, useful veterans around. Their sixth starter is, they're still looking for a sixth starter, I I believe, uh, for last year. They're still trying to fill those starts. So um, this year, I guess, presumably they feel a bit more optimistic about their depth. Uh, I'm looking at their depth chart right now, and there are names like Hakeem Mix and and Victor Cruz and, and Andre Brown that I don't even recognize. Does this team actually have uh, more depth than it did last year, or is it mostly the same uh, The same issue waiting in case people get hurt?
1: Look, you can put wh- whoever you want in front of Eli Manning, and Manning's just going to get them that ball. You were looking at a different depth chart, I think. Wait until Brandon Hicks, um, who's actually on the Giants depth chart. But um, uh, I don't know if they have more depth. I, I think... What happened, at least with the pitching, is um, every every good pitching prospect they have, give or take a couple, last year was in San Jose, their high A team, and this year most of them, give or take, are going to be in Double A, and when you're in Double A, you'll you'll have that chance, to go up a level, you know, kind of surprise, be in the mix. Uh, you'll have someone who's already on the forty man roster, like Edwin Escobar, so I think. They don't necessarily have any depth that came from outside of the organization. They'll just have internal developments that are just that much closer to helping out. Last year when they needed help from the farm, they had to rely on on, on Mike Kickham. And even like before they called him up, there was like, are they going to call up Kickham? And the quote, some shade of, eh, we would wrap. <laughs> <laughs> you read between the lines of, of, of the people who were given the quotes, it was like, ah, you know, if all fell into place, we would rather not touch him. But they ended up using him. He gave up 6,000 runs and I think that's what Sabian's talking about. I think this year, you know, you're not going to see Kyle Crick more or less, but you'll you'll see some of the guys from AA, I think, fill in.
2: And Matt Cain is just Matt Cain again, right? We should all just forget about that first half and pretend it never happened and it won't ever happen again?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, it's so no easy to play that game of Well, if you take out his Thursdays and he woke up late, you know, he's basically the same pitcher. But like, really, he had like these two innings against the Cardinals, like two innings where he just couldn't get an out. And they were like just freaky innings. And I I think 15 earned runs, 15 earned runs were just these two innings. It was just weird. Um, So you guard against flukes like that. You maybe hope his his home runs kind of stabilize at that. Oddly low rate that he's been good at for his career. And yeah, I'm pretty comfortable saying he's not.
0: And should we assume that Ryan Vogelsong is is back to normal and that 2011 and 2012 just should never have happened? Uh, <laughs> he gave up
1: 11 hits and eight earned runs and two spring innings tonight. And you're not, you know, I'll, I'll level with you. I don't really pay attention to spring statistics, but Vogelsong's looked really bad this year. Um, in two different two different outings, and, and I, there's no reason to expect him. I mean, he always should have disappeared as quickly as he re-entered the picture. I mean, that that's just how it should have worked karmically, I guess. You know, he just all of a sudden was like, oh no, he's an all-star now. Remember, he was sailing the seven seas, and we found him at, at and, and now he's he's here, and he's an all-star. And then by right, he should disappear just as quickly. And I, I think that's what's Happening, but you know, hoping for the best.
2: So you have chronicled uh, Pablo Sandoval's expansion and contraction over the years. Um, how how likely is it that the the current contraction will stick, uh, and and how likely is it that that will show up on the field in in some fashion?
1: Uh, first part, pretty likely it'll stick throughout the season. Uh, he's, he's got. A nine-figure contract, most likely, staring him into the face. Um, I think that's going to be, a, obviously, a huge component of, of keeping him uh, strict to a strict regimen. But also, you know, he's, he's getting 26, 27. That's kind of an age where you, you stop being an idiot if you already are an idiot. Um, that, that's about the age. Like, I was an idiot, and then I was about 27, and I was progressively less an idiot, taking things a little bit more seriously. And, you know, maybe he's just at an age, maybe it doesn't have to be nine figure contracts to make him go, God, you know, I've I've got a a real chance here. Um, Or maybe it's just the money. I don't know. And will he show up in the field? I I think so. I think it's so weird. I mean, I don't know how being in the best shape helps Pablo Sandoval, you know, hit balls a foot off the plate. It probably
0: can. I just don't, I don't
1: necessarily want to make that correlation myself.
0: Yeah, when I was 27, 27 is when I started getting fat. Yeah, that's also the, to... the
2: age when your metabolism starts to slow down. So <laughs> yeah. that might,
0: it might counteract anything else. So I was going to ask you, though, has anybody really, I, I, I guess I haven't followed it closely enough. I, I know that we all obsess about the weight, and I know that Pablo has great years and bad years, but do you get the sense that it has, again, correlation not being causation, this rock might just keep tigers away, but do you get the sense that, it has correlated pretty closely to his swings in performance?
1: It sure is easy to make that correlation. I've never been comfortable saying that about anything, you know, whether it's um, a player's arrest or, or a player's divorce or anything like that. But it, it seems like there's a fairly good, strong correlation between physical fitness and production on the field. And it's not quite as arbitrary as like a divorce or off-field problems. It's like physical fitness probably is important to playing professional sports. Um, so I th- I, I, I'm think i wary of the correlation just like you are. But if you're ever going to correlate a couple things, they would be the So you were kind of
2: conflicted about the, the Morse move, I guess, uh, on the one hand because of Morse. But on the other hand, it seems like you would really like to see someone... Hit a home run this season, and he maybe gives you a chance to to do that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough because I like Morse, too. He's he's just gigantic and in kind of. He's got the the crazy eye. So the Giants have this all world crazy eye team. <laughs> Center and Henson and right. It's like man, it's like the Alou brothers, but you know, crazy eyes. <laughs> <laughs> The defense, I mean, I haven't experienced a full season of Michael Morris' defense. So I don't know. I'm I'm just speaking based off of the the advanced metrics, the fielding metrics, what have you. But they all seem to agree that he's like really lousy, just incredibly lousy. So he will need to have one of those 2011 seasons where he's hitting 300 with 30 homers in order to make up for that. And he did it once, and he's probably never going to do it again. So... You know, I'd love to see some dingers. Uh, love me some dingers, but I— at what cost? <laughs> uh,
2: so the the way that uh, you watch the Giants to see if they will win, I used to watch the Giants to see how bad Emmanuel Burris would be. Um, and I'm curious whether there's anyone on the Giants bench this year who who has that kind of uh, Burris potential.
1: Not as... I mean, I'm trying to think... They might have Tyler Colvin as a fourth or fifth outfielder. That could be somewhat amusing. I don't think there's going to be uh, an Emmanuel Burris for a very long time or a Eugenio Velez. I think that was kind of the golden era of the Giants bench. Pony Abreu seems to make uh, kind of dunderheaded plays every once in a while. But it's a fairly competent crew of, of benchies, generally players who should be on or near a major league roster. So uh, recently Sam and
2: I talked about what Barry Bonds would hit this season and even more recently I read that he took batting practice and looked good while doing it. Uh, So what would Barry Bonds hit if he were to play for the Giants this year?
1: I would say Carlos Pena. Um, Carlos Pena, the kind of Carlos Pena that gets a one-year major league deal instead of a minor league invite the next year. So like a 220 average... Three sixty on-base percentage, six hundred slugging. All right, two forty average, four ten on-base percentage, six thirty slugging percentage, fifteen
0: stolen bases, even in the field. Same same question, but with Davy Cruz.
1: Davy Cruz, wow. Two forty batting average, <laughs> four ten on the base percent. Man, I mean, I, I my job is to think about Giants players randomly, and I don't remember the last time I thought about Davy Cruz. I need to, I need to work something up on him, boy. That, that's some good fodder.
0: All right, so Grant, we need to know um, how many wins you think the Giants are going to have, and beyond that, just in a little bit more detail. We're doing this um, series in order of projected wins so we have you on fairly late because we have the Giants projected to win more games than a lot of teams that are thought to be pretty good like the Cardinals and the Rangers and the Braves and so do you think that the Giants uh, are kind of reasonably uh, placed atop those teams yeah it's it's definitely counterintuitive
1: considering how bad they were last year but I think the offense is fairly Free of holes. I mean, you know, you would like Brandon Crawford to hit a little bit better and and maybe Michael Morse have a better on base percentage and you never know how many plate appearances you're going to get from Marco Scudero. But I think one through eight, they're they're filled with players who should be in a lineup somewhere. And the question is, well, you know, the rotation. And so Bumgarner, okay, assume he's going to be fantastic. Kane, fine. He's going to be the same guy as he was before. Tim Hudson, solid pickup. Uh, should be what he was the last couple of years with the Braves, which is a, a pretty good number three or number four. And then after that, you're, you're hinging on Linsicum pitching to the peripherals and song not completely messing the bed. And I'm not crazy optimistic about either of those as the season approaches. I think I was earlier in the offseason. I think, you know, you kind of had the, the winter slash rose colored glasses and it's like yeah You coming I mean, he'll, he'll be better and vocal song yeah that was a blip in the road but as it's approaching i'm getting more and more nervous but i do think they belong maybe not with the cardinals but certainly in that kind of second tier um, i'd put the diamondbacks up there diamondbacks braves um pirates you know that that kind of second tier where if something goes incredibly right they could win a lot of games. If Edwin Escobar, all of a sudden, no, he's really good now. You know, maybe even a fringe rookie of the year candidate. Well, you know, great. They're, they're going to be fantastic. But if all the worst-case scenarios happen, vocal song's not good, Linscombe's not good, Scudero plays 80 games, that sort of thing, it'll be a repeat of last year. But I'm going to... Keep with the baseball prospectus uh, group thing and say, yeah, about eighty-seven wins and contending for the most part.
2: What's the weirdest thing that we will see in McCovey Cove this season? The
1: so of like a like, flying jet. Yeah, like there's the
2: there's the DeLorean one year, then there's the jetpack. What 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 will we see this year?
1: Uh, naked robot windsurfer. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, the mask, I guess that'd technically be a
0: cyborg.
2: I'm going to say, he would have to have, have
0: have like, boy parts. Right, so this is not a a human who's dressed up as a naked robot. Because then that would count as clothes, presumably, right?
1: Well, yeah, I guess, so yeah, it would, you know, all I'm just saying is Silicon Valley boys, you know, they're wild down there. (laughs) They got a lot of things on the burner, you know?
2: Maybe a we'll see a lots. we'll see a home run hit by the Giants this year.
1: Could be, could be. They've got uh, uh, Brandon Belt, sweet lefty swing. He he's got a chance to hit one this year. Keeping high hopes.
2: <laughs> 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 okay, uh, all right. Thank you, Grant. Uh, you can read Grant's work at sbnation uh, dot com. What slash MLB now?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's if it's something that's good enough, it'll be on sbnation So usually on slash MLB and if it's the bad stuff uh, that he just has to put
2: somewhere else you can you can find it at, at Uh or you can follow him on Twitter at McCovey Cron. thank you grant thanks yes uh please support our sponsor baseball reference go to baseballreference.com sign up for a one-year play index uh, subscription use the coupon code BP for the discounted price of thirty dollars and now Nick will talk to Dave Fleming
3: Welcome to Drop Third Strike. I'm Nick Wheatley-Schaller, and I'll be interviewing beat writers, columnists, and broadcasters from around the country, getting their perspective on the teams they cover. I'm here with Dave Fleming, play-by-play announcer for the Giants radio broadcast on KNBR. How's it going, Dave? Fine, thank you. So we've been going through the season previews in order of projected standings based on Pocota projections. Um, We're doing the Giants episode later than most people would have thought, as Pocota has projected the Giants to win 11 more games than they did last year. Coda projects the Giants' pitching to be much better, with significant bounce-back gears from Matt Kane, Tim Lincecum, and Ryan Vogelsong in the rotation. Which of those three guys do you most expect to have a better year than they did last year?
4: Well, I mean, I do think that is the number one question for the mm-hmm. Giants: is to make sure that those those three together collectively pitch better. Kane, to me, is clearly the guy who is on track. Kane's going to have a much better year than last year. Yeah. I, it's hard to know what happened in the first half. Second half, he was basically back to his normal self. The first half was so ugly by his standards that it, it really looks like an aberration. So I, I I, fully expect Kane to have another excellent year.
3: Lincecum definitely an interesting candidate. They signed him to that two-year contract this offseason. Um, what do you think of his chances to bounce back?
4: Well, uh, you know, I think I, it's hard to predict. I mean, I uh-huh. think he is one of the tough. He's one of the toughest guys in the game right now. To to peg, he, he's hard because his career has changed so drastically. His style has changed fairly drastically. Yeah. Uh, but but I you know I think the chances of him pitching better than last year are very good. Whether he can approach what he used to do is a different question. But I think. You know, he's comfortable pitching with a different repertoire than he once had. He's getting, he's certainly getting more comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. He's worked hard this offseason. I think they've been pleased with the way he's looked in camp so far. So I, I think the numbers will be better. It's just a question of, you know, to what degree.
3: Yeah, if you look at Lincecum's fastball velocity, he was at 94 in 2008, down to 92 in 2011, and then down to 90 the past couple of years. You'd think that maybe after a couple years of having that lower fastball velocity, you would get to get used to that and really figure out how to pitch with that.
4: I think that's the idea, is yeah. uh, you know, r- realizing that A, that velocity is not there anymore so the the, the idea of just out now out challenging hitters with your fastball probably has to change a little bit, but also you know, concentrating per- perhaps a little more on pure location, which he never had to do. Mm-hmm. You know, he just yeah. did not have to do that. He could He could challenge hitters in the middle of the strike zone in the early portions of his career and not only get away with it, but thrive. And that is different now. And I think there is an adjustment period and, you know, maybe mixing and matching a little differently. Uh, the, the, The cliche they use, pitching backwards, but sequencing a little different with a different repertoire. And I think, you know, there were some real signs last year of him becoming more comfortable with that the biggest question with Lincecum to me is, can the walks go down? Because mm-hmm. I think we, you know, if, if the if the velocity is down, if the pure power stuff is down, then somehow, some way, over time, those walks are going to have to come down for him to really be more effective.
3: Yeah, one thing that he did do better last year was have more success with that changeup. It had really not been as good as it had been in previous years in 2012, but he did he did a better job throwing it last year.
4: It was, you know, I think actually for for a year or more there was there was less differentiation between fat, than there used to be between fastball mm-hmm. changeup yeah. velocity. And so when the the changeup became less effective without the downward movement, to me last year he got back to the changeup with more movement. So even if the velocity differential isn't as great as it once was at his peak, I think now that change almost acts like the slider. In fact, sometimes they're very hard to differentiate when you're just watching with the naked eye. What's the change up? What's the slider? Because both of them can have really devastating movement.
3: In December, the Giants signed Mike, Michael Morris to a one-year, $6 million deal. He's been on a bit of a downward slope since he had an excellent 20, 2010 and 2011 seasons. Last year, Gregor Blanco and Andres Torres got the majority of the playing time and left, with Torres playing... More often when Blanco is in center during Angel Pagan's 84-game injury spell, will Blanco see a reduction in playing time with the Giants trying to get Morris in the lineup and Pagan possibly being healthy all year?
4: Well, I think in a perfect world, Blanco will play less because Mm -hmm. I think the Giants view him as a perfect fourth outfielder, a defensive replacement, pinch runner, can be a pinch hitter against certain pitchers or in certain situations at least. Uh, I, I think they view him as a perfect fit for that fourth outfield role and stretched a little thin when he's an everyday player. So I think that in their plans, his playing time does go down. He took a ton of at-bats last year because of what you were talking about, Pagan's injury. Also, Andres Torres was, was almost totally ineffective yeah. last year. And so Blanco was basically forced into having to play mm-hmm. every day. They don't want that to happen. If Morse is healthy, he'll get a lot of at bats. But Blanco is going to play a lot because even if Morse is is playing well, he is he's coming out of games late if the Giants are ahead. And by late, I mean after three at bats, probably. I, I mean I, yeah. I think there's a real good chance that Blanco plays the last third of the majority of games and. He's going to get a lot of innings defensively, and he'll end up getting his share of at-bats.
3: Yeah, it was kind of surprising to see more sign with a, with an NL team. I mean, he's just not someone who you want to see out in the field every day.
4: He's not, but I think the Giants have lived with less defense in that. I, I think the Giants have determined, particularly in their ballpark, where right field and center field defense mm-hmm. are so important. Yeah. Right field is such a difficult field to play. There's so much ground to cover. Relatively speaking, left field is it's symmetrical. It's, it's not unusual, and relatively speaking, it's smaller out there. And I think the Giants have just decided if they're going to have a weak spot defensively, it's going to be left field, and they think they can sort of hide Morse over there. If they have a center fielder who can cover some ground and an excellent right fielder, and Pence played really well in right field last season. So I think they're willing to live with that. They Mm -hmm. need right-handed power and that's the one thing when Morse is healthy he's got a lot of right-handed power Mm -hmm. and they identify that as a need and I think he's a good fit in that
3: way. Pablo Sandoval had a down year almost entirely due to a lack of power. Uh, Do you think Sandoval will be able to get that stroke going again? I think so. I mean
4: he is a tremendously gifted player. The Mm -hmm. conditioning is a big part of why he has been up and down in his career the natural talents are really there. I mean, they are. They're they're hard to ignore. And whether you pick the, the three-home run game against Verlander and the Tigers in the World Series or some other kind of highlight moment of his career, you know, those, those tools are in play a lot. And when he's gotten out of shape, they've, they've gone away. And I think this year he will be in better shape. He already is in spring training. He's motivated. It's a contract year. Hopefully that keeps mm-hmm. him in shape for the majority of the year. I think... You know, a huge reason that the right-handed swing has been so adversely affected by his his weight gains and, and the fluctuations in weight. He, he just is not the same guy from the right side when he's bigger. And I, I, I think you'll see some more pop from that side in particular when he's in better better shape. Mm-hmm. The Giants are certainly
3: optimistic that that's the case. The, twi- the Giants signed Tim Hudson this winter. Um, Hudson missed some time last year with an ankle injury and will turn 38 in July. How worried are you about Hudson's health, and how important is it that the Giants get a lot of innings out of him?
4: You know, I mean, he's an older guy, so I think anybody who's that age you figure is going to get dinged up at some point. Uh-huh. I mean, that's my assumption at least. But, but it's not an arm injury. It was an ankle injury. Yep. seems to have healed totally fine. You know, he's not a guy who has a real history of major arm-shoulder troubles. He's pitched a lot of innings over his career and been consistent doing that. I loved the signing. I mean, I think it's a guaranteed major upgrade over that same spot, which is Zito's spot on the rotation. You know, know, Hudson's going to be a lot better than what Zito was last year. The Giants basically locked in an improvement just in that one spot. And I think he's a good bet to be – you know he's not gonna he's not gonna be a dominator any longer, especially since his innings totals. You know the Braves the last several years with the Braves he was not an innings eater per se. I mean he mm-hmm. was like a six inning pitcher most of the time. But I think they're totally fine with that. The Giants are they they like their bullpen. I think if they get consistent say three and a half to four somewhere in that range ERA performance six innings a start and he makes most of the starts they're going to be thrilled with what they got and that would automatically be a big bump up from what they had from Zito.
3: That bullpen was one of their bright spots last year. They were eighth in the league in ERA as a a bullpen. Uh, Do you think they can keep that up this year?
4: Yeah, I mean I think they believe Romo's going to be effective again. Mm -hmm. Lopez is one of the best left-handed specialists in the game. Santiago Casilla was a little down at times last year but he's a proven guy who still throws hard and has a nice, varied repertoire. they like casilla. I think they're expecting a bounce back from Affelt and hoping yeah. he'll stay healthy because Jeremy's a good reliever, very, very effective against lefties and righties, so you can use him in a situational role. You can use him as a setup guy he he is a he is a real weapon for a manager like Bochi who's not totally locked into roles in the bullpen Bochi's willing to use guys differently, doesn't always have to use everybody the same way. I think that's a real strength of his as a manager, and I think Affelt's in some ways kind of the perfect guy for Bochy to have. Affelt's got to stay healthy. He's been banged up a lot lately, as long as that happens. I think Casilla, Lopez, Romo, Affelt are a nice core, and they have some young arms that they like, whether it's Hembry or this kid, Derek Law, who we'll probably see at some point I think they like the versatility of some of the young guys. They have the power arm, so we'll see those at some point. I I think it'll be a good bullpen again.
3: We've seen the A's and the Braves have lots of injury troubles early in the year. What do you think of the Giants pitching depth in, in case someone like Hudson or any of their top guys gets injured for a significant period of time?
4: Well, last year it killed him because yeah. neither pitcher. Well, Usmero you know, Petit at the end of the year actually did come up, and and by the numbers he did a really good job, including nearly pitching yeah. a perfect game. <laughs> but, but they had a uh, you know a young guy Mike Kickham yeah. and uh, a young guy Sir Camp who came up, and both just got destroyed when they took the ball, and that, those numbers actually just from those two, and if you add a couple other fill-in starters in. I mean those actually skew the numbers of the entire pitching staff. They were so bad those performances. Yeah. They they were they were not deep at all last year. And I do think this year they believe they have better depth. If something goes wrong, there's a kid Edwin Escobar who's still what 22 now, I guess, but still very young, mm-hmm. but pitched at Double-A and pitched really well at Double-A has impressed in spring training and is a strike thrower, so he's got arm talent, but he also has some polished to him i think he would be a nice fit in an emergency spot i petite might get a chance to do it again but they have younger arms now escobar their top prospect Kyle Crick probably mm-hmm. isn't quite ready yeah. but some other guys who are more polished maybe less ceiling but more polished but talented minor leaguers who've made it to that double a level and as soon as pitchers players as soon as giants minor leaguers get to that double a level for the most part, the Giants have been willing to say, "Okay, they've been challenged. If we really need them, we can get them up to the big league." So I think, I think the Giants are much better positioned this year than last to survive something like a Vogelsong injury.
3: You mentioned a couple of those prospects. The Giants' farm system is pretty pitcher-heavy. Nine of their top 10 players on BP's prospect list are pitchers. What has caused such a large disparity in their system?
4: Well, I think part of it is is that uh, they traded away a, a catcher, Tommy Joseph, mm-hmm. to get Hunter Pence, who is a good hitting prospect. Gary Brown, Joe Panic, hitting prospects who haven't developed first-round picks, who haven't developed the way they wanted them to. So that, those are three guys in the last four drafts who were considered, you know, who were high-round draft picks, considered good offensive prospects, who haven't panned out the way the Giants would have liked, at least to this point. So that's pretty top-heavy in terms of the draft misses on the hitting side. And I also think the Giants did did make a conscious decision to replenish the pitching depth in their organization. They graduated lincecum Kane, spent a few years focusing on position players in their development system, and that produced guys like Crawford and Belt and Posey. Yeah. And, and Standoval's a little earlier than that, but same, same yeah. idea where they've They develop pitching, then they switch their emphasis to the hitting side for a while, and now I think we've seen them the last few years internationally and through the draft shift back to pitching, and it's starting to pay off. And the Giants don't have, they traded away Zach Wheeler, who was their really high upside pitching prospect. Crick is sort of in that mold, but what the Giants have much more than that is depth of very solid prospects who look like pretty good bets to contribute at some point when you have a a lot of those guys chances are pretty good you're going to produce yeah. a few really valuable major leaguers. I think the Giants are happy with where where their minor league system stands.
3: What did you th- what did you think of the 5-year 90 million dollar extension that the Giants signed Hunter Pence to this offseason? What do you think he needs to do in order to live up to that contract?
4: Well, number 1, salaries are going up so quickly at the high end that yeah. I think, you know, I mean it, that number seems huge, mm-hmm. but Relative to other players who signed this offseason after Pence signed his contract and what we'll see in the next couple of years, it's not going to look like an out-of-line contract. It just isn't. And there are so few impact players who even make it to free agency at age 29 or 30, whatever Pence was, when he signed his contract. So many of those free agents are 32, 33 when they're finally reaching the open market. It's hard to find offense. It's hard to find anything I, I think, mm-hmm. truly impact in free agency. So the Giants had a chance to bring him back. And I you know he, he's got to produce his his career has been remarkably consistent. you know I mean he has he's he's usually twenty five home runs, usually two eighty type hitter, uh, you know, a lot of extra base hits, good defense in the outfield. He is a tremendous worker. One, I think uh, you know one reason the Giants committed to him was they got to see him for a year and a half up close and personal on how 100% single-mindedly dedicated he is to being a baseball player. He, he you know, I don't want to paint him as a simpleton because he's not. He's an interesting guy. But what he's interested in life is being a great major leaguer. That's it. He is so so serious about what he does, and I think the Giants love that about him. And it gave them a comfort level of okay, if we give this guy a big check, he's not going to just say okay, I've made it. Maybe that work ethic will slip a little bit. I think they're I think they're convinced he's going to work to be as good as he can be, and they're happy about that aspect of it. He, he's he was a really good fit in San Francisco. He's a good fit in right field. He's right-handed so the home run power doesn't get as suppressed mm-hmm. at AT&T Park. He's not a guy who gets frustrated by, by performing in a, a pitcher's ballpark. All of those things lined up to make him a good fit, whether you think the performance is going to be as good as last year where it really was excellent, even if it dips off a little bit, I think the Giants feel like they have a really good player.
3: This year, the Twins are moving Joe Maurer to first base. In November, General Manager Brian Sabian said the Giants would not be moving Buster Posey to, fir- to first base, saying that catcher is where they want him to be at long term. Um, how long do you think Buster Posey will stick at catcher, and would another injury affect that equation?
4: I don't know. I mean, I, I certainly, I think another injury could change that yeah. decision making uh, because the first one was so monumental for this franchise. Mm-hmm. But two things. Number one, the Giants have been very open in acknowledging the value of having a great catcher as opposed to a great almost anything else. It sets them apart so much to have a player of his caliber at that position. It gives them so much more leeway in other spots on the diamond. You move him off there, and obviously you change the value of what he brings. Number two, they won two World Series with him catching (laughs) every game, every inning of the postseason. And, you know, so, so he was the captain in a lot of ways. Even in 2010 as a very young player, even that year he was kind of the captain of that team by the end of the season. And certainly in 2012 that was the case. And yeah, that's hard to, you know, it's hard to say, okay, we're just going to move him out of there. He was, he was the heart and soul of that, those two world championship teams with the starting pitching, the combination of Posey and the pitchers. They want to keep him there. You know, if the performance really starts to dip, the injuries really start to mount okay, I think they'd start to consider it. But Mm -hmm. as long as he seems comfortable there and he wants to be there, he's made that clear, I think they're happy with him as a catcher.
3: The Dodgers have put together quite a roster, so it'll, it'll be an uphill battle for San Francisco to win the division, even if they improve greatly on last year's record. What do you think would need to transpire in order for the Giants to overtake Los Angeles?
4: Well, they probably need the Dodgers not to quite hit their upside peak. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, I do think the Dodgers have the roster across maybe all of Major League Baseball that has the biggest upside—just superstar talent. If those outfielders are all performing and healthy, the starting pitching, the room to make a deal, the minor league inventory to make trades. Dodgers could be, you know, they could be a monster team this year, and I thought the, the Giants are going to have a hard time matching that if the Dodgers truly max out. So, the, number one, they're going to have to have the Dodgers sort of come back to the field a little bit. But number two, for this Giants team, easily the biggest part of this season coming up is the starting rotation. Yeah. It has to be way be, When you factor in the ballpark and how great a place it is to pitch, and then you look at the numbers from last year, you can make a pretty good case that the Giants starters were the worst in the league. Yeah. And that is very, very sobering for a franchise that has pinned its identity mm-hmm. on starting pitching. And that has to that has to come way around. Bumgarner's going to have to keep doing what he's doing. Kane has to be back to being an ace, all-star-like pitcher. And then you need the other three to perform at least sort of, you know league average, and and hopefully a little more. And if that happens, then I think the Giants, the Giants' offense is underrated. I think I think the Giants' offense can be really good. Uh, their defense has a couple question marks, but I think the bullpen will be solid. If the starting rotation performs, I think the Giants are going to be a very much a contending team.
3: All right, that's all I have for you today, Dave. Thanks for coming on the show. Okay, thanks for having me. All right, have a good year. Thank you. That was Dave Fleming, play-by-play announcer for KNBR Radio. Tomorrow I'll be discussing the Red Sox with Alex Speer, beat writer for WEEI.com. Thanks for listening. Should I riff on Burris again? <laughs> yeah,
2: Burris
1: haikus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do that. I don't think you'll ever find anyone quite as amusing.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I think Burris was kind of a... a once-in-a-generation thing. I I don't think you'll get Benchies as as good as as Burris. (laughs) Burris is like... (laughs)
2: Just, I'll just put this out. Just, just, you say Burris and us laughing will be the whole podcast.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. okay. He was right. so earnest. He tried so hard. <laughs> you know, Ben, that's an interesting question about Burris, but I'll tell you, <laughs> you're not going to find anyone. <laughs> 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 I tried. I tried. I saw him at uh, in Reds camp last year, like walking around behind the scenes, and I I was like, you know, clearly he's not gonna know who I am. But if there's like one player, I wouldn't want to know, like, wow, that's Grant Brisby. It's like, birds would go, whoa. <laughs>